0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony
1: Perkins. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Well, coming up on this Thursday edition of Washington Watch, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy made clear yesterday that the future of the American economy is now squarely in the hands of President Biden.
2: Now, for our friendship with Israel, we are a better nation because of it, and we must never shy away.
3: From defending
1: it. We'll get a report from Jerusalem when CBN Middle East Bureau Chief Chris Mitchell joins us a little later. Well, here at home, it's been five days since the House passed a measure that would raise the debt ceiling but require spending reductions to tame the growth of the $32 trillion national debt. However, President Biden and the Democrat leaders refused to negotiate. So, what the president is saying, he's not going to negotiate with someone who's actually threatening the economy,
4: taking the entire economy hostage. He will sit down uh, with Speaker McCarthy uh, to talk about these issues in the framework of the budget and the appropriations process.
1: That was Democrat Senator Chris Van Hollen, a member of the Senate Budget Committee. He'll negotiate, but he won't negotiate on what matters. Well, we're going to talk with Congresswoman Lisa McClain, a member of the House Budget Committee. Also, here is a Well, let me just put it this way. Here is a non-answer answer. answer.
5: What's uh, the definition of secure border to you?
2: It is, in the context uh, in which we are working, it is
1: maximizing the resources that we have available to us to deliver the most effective results. All right. Did you understand that? Did he actually say anything? That was Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas uh, on nbc's Meet the Press yesterday now we're going we're going to talk about that and a state judge in Missouri has blocked the implementation of an emergency rule by Attorney General Andrew Bailey to protect citizens from an industry where more and more corruption is being revealed almost daily experimental transgender chemical and surgical treatments a g. Bailey joins us with the latest. Following the Montana legislature's disciplining of Representative Zoe Zephyr, a male presenting as a female, for violating legislative protocol, the media is doing all that it can, all that it can to promote him and the transgender cause.
6: Marginalized communities stand up and hold people accountable to the real harm that legislation does. It's not enough for the right to have the votes to pass They want silence. They don't want to be held accountable. They want to use whatever tools are at their disposal to mandate that silence.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So the left that's been silencing the right, primarily in the media, is now on the media claiming that the right is silencing them. Interesting. Well, the topic even came up on Meet the Press as Chuck Todd pressed presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy on the topic of transgenderism. Are you confident that you know that gender uh is uh as binary as you're describing
5: it are you confident that it isn't a spectrum i am Um, you know this as a scientist
4: well there's there's two x
2: chromosomes if you're a woman an x and a y that means a a lot of scientific research out there there's a lot of
5: scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum uh
1: okay so how should christians respond to this push to normalize and accept what scripture and science clearly says is abnormal we're going to talk about that with dr al moeller a little later here on washington watch the website tonyperkins.com if you're in south louisiana i invite you to join us for an evening of prayer and worship this coming thursday night may the 4th jeremy daly will be leading us in worship if you'd like to join us for this national prayer service just text the word prayer to six seven seven four two that's prayer to six seven seven four two Our passage for today comes from Ezekiel 43, 7 through 9. And he said to me, son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. No more shall the house of Israel defile my holy name. They nor their kings by their harlotry or with the caucuses of their kings on their high places. When they set their threshold by my threshold and their doorpost by my doorpost with a wall between them and me, they defiled my holy name by the abominations which they committed. Therefore, I have consumed them in my anger. We read here, a wall of separation. They built a wall between themselves and God, thinking it would conceal their idolatry. It did not. It only kindled the anger of God and brought God's judgment upon the nation. You know, we can build walls to separate us from God, but it won't protect us from the consequences of our sin. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to TonyPerkins.com. Last Wednesday, House Republicans passed a budget plan that raised the debt ceiling while lowering overall spending. But the Democrats refused to adjust to the new reality. President Biden still refuses to negotiate. With the debt ceiling deadline quickly approaching, how long will the president draw out this self-imposed stalemate? Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congresswoman Lisa McClain. She serves on the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, the House Budget Committee, the House Armed Services Committee, and the House Committee on Education and the Workforce. She represents the 9th Congressional District of Michigan. Congresswoman McClain, welcome back to Washington Watch. Uh,
3: Thanks for having me, Tony.
1: You serve on a lot of important committees. (laughs) I'm sure you stay pretty busy. In fact, last week was a busy week Uh, just for the subject matters that you deal with, let's start with the debt limit bill that the House passed. It addresses the issue of the the debt ceiling, but it also reigns in this out-of-control spending. Let's talk about it.
3: Yeah, I mean, at at the end of the day, we have to pay our bills. Constitutionally, we are obligated to pay our bills, and we're doing that. But we're doing that and we're changing the course of history right now. Government has a spending problem. We have got to get our spending under control. And that's exactly what we're doing it, what we're doing. I find it very difficult to believe that there is not one dollar that the Biden administration thinks that we can be more efficient on or more effective, we must run the government so efficiently that there's not $1 of savings or efficiency. I find that very hard to believe. So what we did is we put forth a plan, and a very good one at that, that protects Social Security, protects Medicare, Medicaid, right, but gets our spending in line. So some of the things that we decided to take away was the funding for 87,000 IRS agents. We don't need more agents to come spy on middle America. We can can use those dollars elsewhere. This budget saves $4.8 trillion. We're going to claw back the unspent COVID money. COVID is over. And we're eliminating a lot of the wokeness in, in the past administration's budget, or I should say this current administration, with all of the ESG funding. So I think we, we've made a start. We have a lot more to go, but it's at least a start that we can pay our bills and we can get our spending in our fiscal house in order.
1: So, so, Lisa, correct me if I'm wrong, but what we've done here, what the Republicans have done is they've said, all right, here's the spending of our federal government pre-COVID. We, we infused the, the economy with, with trillions of dollars of, quote-unquote, emergency spending because of COVID and the shutdowns and all this other stuff. And as you pointed out, COVID is over. But the spending levels are remaining the same under the Democrats. They want to continue to spend at these elevated levels. You're just saying, the Republicans are just saying, let's dial this back Uh, to a reasonable level will allow for some growth, but we don't need to keep spending at these uh, elevated levels.
3: Well, we can't. Um, We just can't continue to do that and be successful. It's a recipe for disaster. And let's turn the clocks back to 22 for a moment. How horrible was it? I, I don't think it was that horrible. All we're doing is is using the spending limits of 2022. I, I think that's I think that's a positive. And if you actually take a look at the 2022 spending limits, those spending limits are higher than projected back when Obama um, was in in place. So we're not on this uh, tighten our belt. Everyone is going to take massive reductions. We're just cleaning it up.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's reasonable. I mean, we, we, as you said, we can't keep spending at this level. Now, Senator Chris Coons of Delaware, who's often out doing the bidding for the, bidding for the Biden administration, likened this bill to hostage negotiations, that uh, somehow the, the Republicans are responsible in saying that they're going to take down the economy by causing America to default. But it looks like this could be resolved overnight if the president would simply sit down and start having conversations with the House Speaker.
3: Well, you're you're right. Last I checked, we had three co-equal branches of government, and we put forth a budget. The president put forth a a budget, and now it's time to negotiate. We don't live in a dictatorial society. Um, We're not going to pass a clean debt ceiling. We've done our job. Now it's the president's job and the Democrats' job, quite frankly, to do theirs. If we truly care about the future of our children, we cannot continue to saddle our children and our grandchildren with our debt and our bad decisions. And that's exactly what the Democrats are doing right now. Uh,
1: Congresswoman McLean, I want, I want to switch gears. You've been very outspoken on the fentanyl crisis yeah. uh, that we're facing as a nation. Over the weekend, Secretary Mayorkas was on uh, NBC. And, and he said, look, hey, the Mexicans are great partners on this. They're helping us uh, stem the flow of fentanyl coming across our borders. What do you say to that?
3: In what world does he live in? That's what I say to that. And I've never heard anyone be so out of touch with society all you have to do is look at the facts. And I understand the facts are, are, aren't are real easy to look at when you take a look at the number of deaths um, that fentanyl is causing because of the open border. I just got done at, uh, uh, in an oversight hearing on Chinese laundering money. And you may ask, well, what does Chinese laundering have to do with the Mexican uh, border? It has everything to do with the Mexican border because the Mexicans cartels, our money laundering the Chinese for the Chinese. They are in bed together. So the Chinese um, make the fentanyl. They ship it to Mexico, which, th- which the cartels ship through our open border. And yes, our border is open when millions of people come across. And then the cartels help the Chinese launder the money. So I would say to Secretary Mayorkas, exactly what world do you live in? Uh,
1: 30 seconds left. What's the bottom line for China? Is this a part of a a soft invasion of of simply trying to take America down by by flooding our streets with this deadly drug?
3: The, The short answer is Yes. China is not our friend. They want to be a superpower, and they want to be a superpower at any cost. They are our enemy to be feared, and they are attacking us militarily, economically, which is what you see with the money laundering, and most importantly, educationally. And we have to understand that, and we have to work together to stop China.
1: I think you're right. They are a serious threat. And I don't think this administration is taking that threat seriously. Congresswoman McLean. always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday.
3: All right. Have a great day.
1: All right. You too. Congresswoman Lisa McLean of Michigan. All right. When we come back, we're going to be uh, getting an update from the Attorney General of Missouri, Andrew Bailey. He is uh, trying to protect citizens of his state from the transgender agenda. We're also going to take a look at Planned Parenthood and how their big time in the transgender business. That's coming up next on Washington. Watch don't go away.
0: Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role.
1: General Bailey, wake, welcome back to Washington Watch. So uh, let me get your reaction to the judge's decision today.
5: Well, it's a, the first step in a process. Obviously, we feel strongly that this rule is absolutely necessary today to protect Missourians from these fraudulent, deceptive business practices and this left-wing ideology that's masquerading as medicine in the form of gender transition surgeries and, and chemical procedures. We know that there are zero FDA approvals for Uh, cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers to demonstrate that those pills are safe or effective in treating gender dysphoria. And yet, despite that, the medical community continues to push these drugs on children and patients of all ages. And so we took steps necessary to protect patients. We were the first state in the nation to issue this kind of emergency rule. It's It's us standing in the gap, leading on this issue and giving our General Assembly time to enact a more comprehensive bill that will protect children and protect patients from these dangerous and experimental procedures.
1: Uh, in general, uh, we were having some technical uh, difficulties here, so I don't know if, if uh, everything came across that I was saying. But this was the result of an investigation based upon a whistleblower into this St. Louis Pediatric Transgender Center. So what you if it, it correct me if I'm wrong, but we've talked about this before. And so my appreciation for what you were doing or my understanding, you were looking into these allegations. You found that there was activity taking place that was endangering children. The information was not being presented in such a way that the parents could make um, rational decisions. And so you said, hey, we need to put the pause on this. I'm issuing this rule under the authority that I have until the legislature can address it. Is that accurate?
5: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, at the end of the day, our whistleblower and the investigation that has resulted from the whistleblower coming forward has uncovered a shadowy and clandestine network of these pediatric uh, gender transition clinics across the state of Missouri. Planned Parenthood advertises these uh, procedures on their, their website. And so we know that this assembly line towards castration and mutilation has expedited and grown in uh, increased in frequency and number in the, in the past years. And so we had to step up and do something to protect Missourians. And the science doesn't stop at, 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 with children. There are, again, zero FDA approvals or clinical trials for these drugs to prove effective in treating gender dysphoria, and that's true for patients of all ages, and it starts with the kids. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to protect the children, but we think that all patients in Missouri should have information necessary to make rational decisions. How dare anyone tell these children, or any other patient for that matter, that they were born in the wrong body? We know God doesn't make mistakes. And so we're fighting back to make sure people have the information on this. We're fighting. It's really a fight for truth. And the truth of it is there is no medicine, no science, no expert opinions that support gender transition interventions like the ones being offered at Planned Parenthood or at the other clinics across the state of Missouri.
1: The judge's decision today, uh, temporarily blocking the implementation of your rule, uh, goes, as I understand it, punted it until May the 15th. So what decision will she make at that point? Well, we'll
5: we'll have a hearing on the evidence. Look, in paragraph 28 of her order, she specifically said that she was deferring on reviewing the medical evidence and the science until such time as there could be a more thorough hearing. So we're going to have our day in court and we're going to expose the truth. We're going to put people on record and, and notify the public through this process that these are dangerous experimental drugs. They're not approved for this kind of uh, procedure, that surgery has irreversible consequences, and that other nations realized this a decade ago and have walked away and curtailed these kinds of dangerous experimental
1: procedures. We're going to
5: shine the light on, the, on this, this faux medicine and expose it for what it is.
1: Uh, General, it sounds like this could actually work in your favor because you will now have an opportunity here within just a couple of weeks to put all of the facts out there, and and they're not able to deny the science. I mean, they're going to deny it, but you're going to lay it out there before them. Will you also get into what you have uncovered uh, thus far in your investigation?
5: Yeah, that's that's potentially true. I mean, the investigation is ongoing and is expanded because the the clinic that the whistleblower complained of has refused to institute a moratorium. And again, so much of this is a reaction to their blatant refusal to institute a moratorium on the basis that they claim to be the only clinic offering these kinds of procedures in the state of Missouri. Well, clearly, subsequent investigation has revealed that's not true. And so this was a necessary step at this time. But if you look at the end of the emergency rule, there are six pages of footnotes that we have provided all scientific journals, medical journals and and experts opining about how dangerous these procedures are. And so we need to get that evidence out there in the public domain. We want people to understand that these are not approved medical procedures and that they need to understand that there's long term health consequences and irreversible consequences when it comes to surgeries.
1: So General Bailey, as you're fighting on this front to try to expose this and the dangers related to it, Planned Parenthood, and, and we've seen this in their latest annual report. They are moving fast and furious into expanding their pushing of these cross-sex hormones on minors.
5: Yeah, that's absolutely right. They stood up pop-up clinics across the state of Missouri in anticipation of this rule because they realized the, the light of truth was shining into their the dark corners of their clandestine network, and so suddenly they had to turn up crank up the the volume on their assembly line of castration and mutilation. And so they're advertising it on their website. Now they've set up pop-up clinics They've sued my office to prevent us from just looking into what safeguards they might or might not have in place. Why would they want to hide that from the public? Why wouldn't they want to be transparent? If they were proud of what they were doing, they would be more than willing to come forward and say, look, here's the safety measures we have in place to protect patients. We're not convinced those safety measures exist because we know they don't exist elsewhere. And that's why this rule was necessary. My question is, how were these clinics ever able to obtain malpractice insurance?
1: Yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, General Bailey, I want to thank you again for coming on the program, but thank you for your leadership here. Two questions very quickly. We're up against the break here, but how can our people pray for you? And at this point, is there anything our listeners and viewers in Missouri can do?
5: Well, continue to pray for uh, strength and support as we lead this fight. Proud to be leading the nation on this issue. Pray for our Missouri General Assembly. I'm confident a bill will get passed. We're standing in the gap right now offering leadership on this issue. And I'm proud to see the, the General Assembly moving in this direction and, and, and looking to codify safeguards. And so we, we need leaders that are that have the strength to stand up and put a stop to these dangerous procedures and are willing to protect Missourians.
1: Well, we will do just that. Uh, General Bailey, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And folks i want to encourage you to pray for general bailey and others just like him standing on the front lines all right don't go away on the other side of the break we're going to jerusalem where we're going to hear from chris mitchell covering the historic visit
6: men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion however this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash pro to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives.
7: Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Monday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy is in Jerusalem today where he delivered a historic speech before Israel's Knesset. McCarthy lauded the alliance between the U.S. and Israel while pledging that America will always support the Jewish state, especially while he is the speaker the House Speaker also called for Israel to better scrutinize Chinese investments in the country and warned of Iranian aggression throughout the region. Now, at a press conference, McCarthy was asked about the debt ceiling debate going on back here at home, and he said he has not heard from President Biden. He quipped, quote, I'm a little bit like Netanyahu, a reference to President Biden not inviting the Israeli prime minister for a visit since he came back in power in December. Well, joining me now from Jerusalem to discuss this is Chris Mitchell. He's the Middle East Bureau Chief for CBN News. Chris, welcome back to Washington Watch.
4: Tony, great to be with you again.
1: So tell us about Speaker McCarthy's visit, uh, his speech to the Knesset. How was it received?
4: Very well received, uh, Tony. It was the first speaker in 25 years to address the Knesset. I literally just came from there. Uh, I was at the press conference and I uh, asked, actually, uh, uh, one other thing that Speaker McCarthy did talk about is that uh, the U.S. would not allow Iran to get a nuclear weapon. I asked him a question about will, uh, will he support a military action, a joint military action. Uh, he just reiterated that they will uh, make sure that Iran does not get a nuclear weapon. But the whole speech was very well received. Uh, you know, I, I think the whole visit, uh, since he came yesterday, went down to the Western Wall to pray, met with Prime Minister Netanyahu. And uh, I think it was a uh, quite a quite a couple of days here in uh, in Israel. And also, I would uh, add, as you said, uh, one thing he said, if uh, Joe Biden doesn't uh, invite president, I mean, Prime Minister Netanyahu, that he will.
1: You know, Chris, you've been there for quite some time covering news, not only in, in the region, but the relationship between Israel and the United States. Uh, We see this often when you've got a Democratic administration that not so friendly with Israel. It opens up a much closer relationship with Republicans in Congress.
4: It does. You know, there was a question asked in the press conference. uh, You know, the Biden administration has been here two and a half years. Is the relationship with uh, Israel stronger now or weaker? Uh, I think uh, the speaker was very gracious in his answer. Uh, It was a bipartisan delegation and Steny Hoyer Uh, The longtime Democrat uh, was there as well as part of the delegation. Uh, But I think that it is an opportunity, uh, given the Biden administration and the way they've uh, reacted to the uh, the Netanyahu government, uh, to become a strong ally and and show their support. Certainly accepting the invitation by the Speaker of the Knesset, by McCarthy, uh, is one step. Uh, you know, to to sort of foster that relationship and make it closer. I'll add, uh, Tony, one question, a couple of questions, actually, that were asked during the press conference, is uh, there was just the justice minister of Israel, his name is uh, Levine, uh, or Levin, he said that um, the current administration has really been favoring the anti-judicial uh, reform, reform movement. Uh, again, there wasn't any clear, uh, you know, statement by Speaker McCarthy, only to say that if it's true, that it would be very inappropriate. And uh, that's what a lot of people feel here is that the current administration on a number of fronts, whether it's judicial reform, the Abraham Accords or Iran is really not certainly on the same page as it was in the former administration under President Trump.
1: What about the issue of Israeli sovereignty when it comes to their ability to move about in their own land? build where they want to build? I mean, we we also see this tension uh, in this administration between the Palestinian Authority and Israel.
4: A big difference. I mean, when the uh, Trump administration really cut off funding uh, for the Palestinian Authority, in large part because they have a pay-to-slay policy, which actually rewards uh, uh, Palestinian terrorism against uh, Israelis, if somebody murders or, or threatens or, uh, you know, injures Israelis, they get convicted of that, they get paid as well as their family. Uh, so that, and now the um, Biden administration has really started funding uh, by hundreds of millions of dollars, the Palestinian Authority. Now they say that doesn't go directly to the to delay, pay to slate policy, but it, money like that is fungible after they don't use it for one issue, they can uh, trans. For that to another. So a market difference in uh, the way the funding, the way the support goes for, uh, for the Palestinian Authority. I just add, Tony, uh, you know, just uh, last week about this, about a week ago uh, tomorrow, uh, I was about four cars away from a ramming attack, uh, the kind of, uh, you know, random attack that happened anywhere at any time where this man, a Jerusalem Arab, just Plowed into several people there in a place called Mahane Yehuda, right near the lar- largest open air market in uh, in in Jerusalem, and uh, and that is just one example of what Israelis face, uh, you know, on a day to day basis, and that's encouraged in part, it seems, certainly by the Palestinian Authority.
1: Yeah, Chris, we're up against a break, but very quickly, does this also provide an opening for evangelicals to nurture a stronger relationship with Israel? and how can we pray for Israel right now
4: well i would say tony right now isaiah62fast.com there is a large evangelical movement here in Israel around the world thousands of ministries are gathering together may 7th to may 28th to fast and pray 1 hour a day for Israel based on isaiah chapter 62 that's a great way to pray for Israel and the peace of jerusalem and there'll be you can join millions of believers around the world to do that
1: all right. We'll encourage folks uh, to do that. Chris, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today.
4: Great to be with you, Tony. All
1: right, folks, stick around. On the other side of the break, Dr. Al Mohler joins me to talk about how should Christians respond to this, this craze over transgenderism? Should, should we accommodate the pronouns? What should we do? That's next.
7: Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org.
0: Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to
7: 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free factual news stories, and commentaries, all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com.
1: This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, so be sure and check it out. Montana State Representative Zoe Zephyr, who identifies as transgender, it's a, it's a guy that uh, is presenting as a, uh, as a woman, recently used a common rhetorical tactic when confronting Republican colleagues who wanted to protect children from harmful gender procedures.
4: If you vote yes on this bill
7: and yes on these amendments, I hope the next time there's an invocation, when you bow your heads in prayer, you see the blood on your hands.
1: this kind of overheated rhetoric is not only common but believed and praised by the mainstream media so how should Christians respond showing both love and compassion but also a commitment to the truth now I'll just have to tell you up front the media is completely sold out on this here's a headline today uh, from actually it was over the weekend from the AP Uh, and and I'm just gonna I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna read This article is from the Associated Press, which is supposed to be the gold standard of media. Zoe Zephyr Rowe spotlights rise of GOP far-right caucuses. So why is that? I'm going to read the first paragraph. The banishment of transgender lawmaker Zoe Zephyr from Montana's house floor has showcased the rising power of hardline conservatives who are currently levering divisive social issues to gain influence in 11 state Houses now, wait a minute let let too many people just take this at face value they they believe what they read. so by resisting the left, the right is being divisive. I mean think about it the left is pushing this whole transgender craze, and these people are saying no we're not going to allow our children in this state, minors, to be used for ser- for surgical and chemical experimentation they're They're saying no. They didn't pick this fight, but they're resisting. This is the same thing they said about Trump when Trump was resisting the left, that he was the divisive one. Now, he probably had some has some ways about him that I would do differently, but he was standing up to the left. I mean, it's like someone trying to carjack you and you roll up the window and you drive away and somehow you're the aggressor. This is, of course, it goes on uh, in, 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 in here. It says the dispute brought by Zephyr, the dispute brought Zephyr a national stage from which to advocate for transgender issues. Though she seized the moment and drawn support from the left, her elevated profile could work to the GOP's advantage as Republicans try to paint Democrats as extremists heading into 2024. So now the the media is lamenting this platform that they've given her because it could help the GOP. Now, why could it help Republicans? It, it may be because. This is unnatural, maybe because it's crazy. Maybe it's unnerving that your children would be taught these things. So how do we respond to this? And I'm going to tell you, you have to respond to it. One way or another, there is no middle ground in this. Your silence will be seen as acquiescing and even will be applauded as support. And of course, speaking out against it, you're going to be ridiculed. But what should we do? Join me now to discuss this is Dr. Albert Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the author of many books, including Tell Me the Stories of Jesus, the explosive power of Jesus's parables. Dr. Moeller, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, always good to be with you. And it's always an important conversation. And boy,
2: this one's right on the front lines and the
1: headlines. It is, and I'm going to jump right into it. But first, I want to say thank you for joining us. And uh, it's an answer to a lot of people's prayers for you to be here. I know you had a little uh, bout with health uh, issues, and uh, we're grateful that you're able to join us.
2: I'm incredibly thankful to the Lord and uh, thankful for the invitation, and uh, very glad I'm able to be here with you. So your
1: thoughts on this battle that's raging at every level, I mean, states all across the nation, yeah, school board meetings, classrooms, teachers are facing this, parents are facing this. Uh, let's start with Zoe Zephyr and her comments on the Montana State House floor that if you vote to protect children, is essentially yeah. what you're saying, you have blood on your hands. Now, this is a reference to unsubstantiated, by the way, the evidence does not support this, that children who do not get these uh, drugs and these surgeries are uh, at a higher risk of suicide than those who do not.
2: There's so much to unpack there. Uh, You've got a biological man presenting as a woman, And, uh, and by the way, you, you rightly mentioned that there are those who on the left who fear this will be to Republican advantage. And it's simply because of the picture. The picture cries out defiance of creation, defiance of creation order, defiance of biology. So yeah, you know, even Americans who, when they are polled say, you know, I'm, I'm for the transgender revolution. They see a photograph like that, or they see the photograph of a, you know, a, a male body in a female swimsuit competing with, uh, with actual females. Uh, the, the judgment changes almost immediately, just given the picture. But when you ask about the language that's used there, it's just massively important. Uh, uh, back in the, uh, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, the ideological left, very much influenced by currents from uh, the, the continent, especially uh, the Frankfurt School and others, they determined to, f- to have new ways of, of making moral arguments. Uh, and so one of the ways they did it was, and you see these two things happening right now simultaneously. Quote, you're denying my existence my existence and again to a transgender person i am not denying your existence i'm denying your claim about yourself and if you're going to declare that to be your existence that's a very sly political maneuver but i'm not going to fall into it you know i i cannot say a man's a woman i cannot say that a girl's a boy Uh, i'm not denying the existence of the person indeed from a christian biblical perspective i'm affirming the existence of the person but I, i can't i can't let that argument you cannot be swayed by people who say you're denying my existence I am denying the existence of a, uh, a man who can turn himself into a woman. I am denying the existence of that claim, but not of that person. And then the blood on your hands. And so here's where they know that one of their ultimate rhetorical plays is simply to say this leads to violence. Now, let's be real clear. You and I are both brokenhearted over any individual so distraught over these issues of, of identity that uh, that that individual he or she would seek some sort of violence uh, uh against himself or herself uh i mean just just from the pastoral side that that that's a matter of broken hearts and we'd want to intervene in any way we could but i want to turn that back on the left and say it is not conservatives it's not biblical christians who are sowing the seeds of confusion here it it is you it is the left it is the ideologues of the sexual revolution going into preschools with, with drag queen story hour and, and, and going into schools and just saying to teenagers, you know, uh, th- th- this is a question you must answer about yourself. You know, are you male or female? What do you feel? What do you feel today? And and furthermore, giving social incentives uh, to identify as LGBTQ. I, you know, it's not conservatives who entered into this controversy and said, hey,
1: let's make this a matter of public debate. It was the left. Right. And that's important because when we say, no, we're not going there, then all of a sudden we're portrayed as the ones that are disproportionately focused on this or trying to make a, a, this issue into a divisive issue for the, the culture. In a recent um, briefing, the briefing in your podcast, you, you 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 really got to the heart of this. You said this is an assault upon creation, the assault upon moral order. And if that is the case, How, then, as Christians, must we approach this issue? Well, I think
2: that's where we are. You know, interestingly enough, as you know, the ERA keeps coming back up again from the left, the Equal Rights Amendment.
1: But they are
2: got to be confused about this because that was all about women. Well, uh, but but that's exactly why I'm bringing it up. But but they plan to use the ERA if if they could get it uh, adopted. It's a different story. But they plan to use it because of the Biden administration's redefinition of of sex to include, you know, transgender identity. They would plan to use the ERA against actual women. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you know, you look at this and you say, OK, you it's you guys who can't keep your story straight. We actually have a very straight story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made human beings, male and female, created he them uh We have a consistent storyline, and by the way it 's rooted in creation it 's rooted in the glory of God, in the gift of making human beings in His image, making us image bearers male and female now that 's the very first thing said about us that 's not something that some conservative you know cabal came up with. You know, during the
1: 1960s, said, so let's come up with something, you know, to divide people. I don't know, like male and female. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you know, and, also, and I would just add, w- while you're on that line, I would just add that that's yeah. not just Old Testament, that's New Testament. Because Jesus, Absolutely. in Matthew chapter 19, said, have you not read that from the beginning God created the male and female?
2: Yeah, and Tony, it's so great you reference that, because that's Jesus taking us back to Genesis, telling us that's the way Christians ought to think. You know, in other words, you're exactly right. So it's it's on the authority of Jesus we actually have the reaffirmation. By the way, both of marriage is a union of a man and a woman and of the existence of, of men and women. But the other thing is, is that the creation account, uh, the, the truth of God given to us in God's perfect word tells us that in the beginning, God made us in his image, male and female created he them. And then he gave us an assignment, which is to be fruitful, and multiply and fill the earth. You know, Tony, this is not exactly what you asked, but I I just want to say, when you look at the crisis in birth rates that is now affecting so much of the world, and you look at the the kind of voluntary sterility that is marking so many Western nations, you just have to know that it's not just the sexual revolution, it's not just feminism, it is also the the confusion about the causal means whereby you get babies. Yeah. That's how deep this rebellion now
1: is. but it's a path of destruction and it's it's not only a destructive path for the culture but as you go as you mentioned earlier and i go back to this point of as pastors as as believers who are here to rescue those by throwing them the lifeline of truth the gospel so that they can come to experience life and the abundant life that jesus gave we can't do that by ignoring what is going on around us we have to be willing to speak truth. But now that is going to lead to conflict. And many Christians, myself included, I don't really like conflict. People won't believe that, given where I'm at. But we cannot avoid conflict in a day when when truth is being denied. No, you're absolutely true. And Tony, you're right to identify that at, at
2: three or four different levels. Number one, we can't avoid the issue of our responsibility as Christian citizens. That's a good deal. Of your work is helping Christians understand how these issues, uh, uh, you know, show up in in policy debates. And we've got to we've got to be there. We're, we we've got to speak truth. We've got to like people who are going to hold to the truth. It's also something that's going to affect every Christian congregation. We're we're going to have people show up, and many churches already, of course, have. And they're confused over this issue. Maybe they've actually undergone something like a transition, and they say, "Well, you know what now?" Especially as they come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is affecting families. Uh, where, where, you know, and by the way, you mentioned the state of Montana. You know, the the, the governor of Montana, Greg Gianforte. He actually signed legislation. He was opposed by his non-binary son in a yeah. public debate. You know, that's that's new, uh, uh, you know, but we it, haven't seen that kind of thing before.
1: Well, it also speaks to the, to the spiritual side of the battle that is raging to divide families on this. And and I know, Greg, a uh, great man, uh, loves the Lord. And, and this is it, it's heartbreaking for families, but we don't. He's a great example where truth is not changed by experience of what's even happening in your own family
2: yeah you know uh, the polling shows us that uh, one of the most shameful things about American evangelicals and so-called conservatives is that many of them change their position when they get close to someone who holds the opposite position that that's not a that's not a compliment that shows a a, a problem in Christians knowing how to make the line of argument from truth to application, and so th- th- I appreciate you raising that issue. I think this is where Christians need to talk out loud, as you and I are right now, just to say, let's remind ourselves: this is not a matter first and foremost of relationships; it's a matter first and foremost of, of truth.
1: Our relationships have to align with the truth, not vice versa. Well, it it, it is one relation. Our relationship with the Lord should inform right. all of these other relationships. Uh, Dr. Mueller, we just got a couple of minutes left um uh, there's some christian leaders that are saying well you know we need to be accommodating we need to use pronoun preferences that these individuals have i think it's very deceptive and and, and really i think it's it's uh, it's wrong to play along with this charade it is a lie and it's a slander
2: against god's creation And we can't do that. Now, we want to respond as kindly and as respectfully as we can. But there are lines Christians can't cross without giving away the store, so to speak. And one of them is the line of this language, especially when it comes to the transgender non-binary revolution. And the moment we begin to use the pronouns and and to speak as if this transition has actually happened, we're we're in basically no position of credibility to argue for a biblical position and and by the way we argue for this not just because we know it's right and true which we do but because we know that a loving god means this is right for us and it's the way to health and wholeness and uh, there is not going to be any health and wholeness in rebelling
1: against the very structure of creation that god has made for his glory you know i've seen this dr Mueller, where those individuals that have gone down this path, they've had those in their lives who have refused to go along. And at some point on that path, they realized this is not where I need to be. They went back to the person who told them the truth, not the one who played along with the the delusion.
2: Well, you know, Tony, my goodness, what you're just talking about there, I mean, playing along with this delusion means in some cases, by this ideology, mutilating a body. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, 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 removing reproductive potential, you know, trying to uh, create a synthetic human being in the name of some kind of uh, gender, uh, uh, you know, identity. Uh, This is one of the saddest things. I I just can't imagine that a sane society has arrived at this point. Uh, Just yesterday, the Journal of the American Medical Association put out an article about uh, the difficulties of dealing with uh, prostate cancer diagnosis in transgender women. Okay, so if the Journal of the American Medical Association
1: is gonna play this game, just
2: yeah. you know, may be that we're the last people on earth who remain
1: sane. Dr. Mueller, we're gonna to have to leave it there. Always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Tony, always a good conversation. God bless you, good to be with you. Folks, thanks for joining
0: us today. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported.